0: Hello, Dave. Hello, Ollie. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) Hello, I am fine, thank you. Welcome to Sustainable Twenty.
1: Oh, it's a state Wow-y. of 20 crikey 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 moses uh this is your weekly environmental podcast looking at all the things going on in the planet and politics and why it's all so stupid and confusing and we are here we're just as confused as you and we're trying to help us all make sense of it aren't we
0: we are we're here to provide absolutely no guidance at all um but at least a shred of comfort so this is our weekly podcast, as Dave said, but it is nothing to do with the people who employ us. So um, if we say anything stupid and just a little heads up, we're very likely to in this episode because it's really confusing and about things which we understand very little. But if we say something stupid, it's, uh, it's not their fault, it's ours. Uh, talking of, of this, we have got some stuff coming up, including uh, a bit of sustainer babble or Dave, time for your pun. Yes, yes, yes. Here you go. Yes. It's a -a babble. (laughs) That's right, everyone. It's a -a babble about trains. woo Oh, Oh, God. (sighs) Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, carry on. And we've also got an Inhofe who is very familiar to everyone living in the United, the grubby little kingdom that is the United one. Uh, He's our prime minister. Uh, sadly. And we've also got some very impressive cheer, which will lead us on to a bit of a meaty main topic about religion and God and the planet and big stuff that, like I say, we probably don't understand.
1: Yes, and if we manage to get all the way through this episode without having a fatwa or a papal edict issued upon us, we (laughs) will have done well.
0: Shall we get on with it? Very good. Sustainable of the week. So, sustainable babble of the week, or for one week only. Come on, Dave. Have your little, have your little pun. Come on, here we go. S- Sustrainer babble.
1: That's it, Dave. Or, Dave, Sustrailway babble. Oh. No, Sustrailer babble. That's
0: good, isn't it? Yes. No, no. Yes. It's about the we... trains. It's about the <laughs> I was, trains. Who is was with you at Sustrainer babble? Oh. Oh, dear. Well, yes, listener, tolerant, patient, kind listener. Uh, We do a little section every week where we look at some of the rubbish that has been spoken in the name of going green or ostensibly about good eco stuff and expose it for what it is. Rubbish. Twaddle. It's a strainer babble. It's a strainer babble. And I
1: spend, um, I live in the People's Republic of North Somerset and I often work in stinky London and I spend a considerable amount of my life, as you know, on Twitter, not on Twitter, in the park, in the pub, not in the pub, with my friends, with strangers, moaning about the trains because the trains... You should do
0: a Venn diagram of all those things. I'd be fascinated to see the overlap. (laughs) I think this podcast will be right in the middle of it.
1: The trains in this country suck, right? They're really expensive and they stink and they don't run on time and they are run for massive amounts of profit and anybody who wants to get on one is treated like a little bit of poo in a cup of tea being drunk by the boss of the company, right? And, uh, well, at least that's a theory. That's what some people say, right? But other people who think that it's okay that all our trains are private, and run for profit, they say something else. I was struck this week by the following bit of Sustrainer Babble. Attracted by discounts and better services, passengers have doubled in the last 20 years. Blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, no Arabella this week because she's uh, not here. Where's Arabella? Is she okay? It's her birthday, isn't it? It's
0: her birthday. Uh, happy birthday, birthday to, to you. you. Happy birthday, Arabella. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So
1: that was Edward Welsh from a thing called the Rail Delivery Group, who is which are the lobby group for train companies, basically saying... Um, it's all very well people banging on about re the railways, making our railways back owned by the government again, as people like me do. But look, people are using the trains, therefore people like them. And they're attracted by discounts mm. and better services. Now, we talked about... Uh, do you remember... Even I can't remember how long ago this was, because it was a very, very long time ago. We it talked was a about while ago, but that,
0: that is a familiar argument used by uh, the buses that was yes. saying... It's <laughs> People must like the buses because they're using the buses, despite the fact it's only one bus which runs about once a year and is the only way that anyone can like get to the doctors. Um, And they are paying the two million pounds that it costs to get a single ticket because they have to. That's right. I think I shouted about it at the (laughs) times, and that's right. It was so long ago that we talked about
1: it that I think it was a Liberal Democrat minister who said it, it. Um, I can't remember. Um, I think they... No, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yes, it was a while ago when there was Top Gear and Liberal Democrats and, um, you know, green policy. Uh, but it's exactly the same argument here, isn't it? It's it's saying customers who have to use the train are using it, so therefore it's popular, therefore we're doing well. Is that is that the argument? Pretty much, yeah. So um, what do you think about
1: privatising or nationalising the railways. There's a lot of hoo-ha being talked at the moment about this with the Labour uh, election going on, where a couple of the candidates want to re the railways and the other ones, I don't know, don't or something. And re the railways is very popular. Two-thirds of the British public, uh, apparently, want to re them. Do they? Um, yeah, apparently 66% in 2013 poll um, want to re the railways, if you ask them. Um, and I what do you think
0: what do you think about that uh, well I'm always sceptical of that sort of polling because if you went up to somebody and said what do you really want to do what, what's the one thing or two things you want to change in, in you know government or public policy uh, and then they said oh I really want to put the railways back in public hands then I believe that but if you go up to someone and say do you want to renationalise railways well that's kind of planted that seed in their in their head isn't it so um, a yes there I think is slightly less meaningful but um clearly it's popular um to an extent and far fewer people say that they want to keep it how it is private so that's that's one thing um i guess my own view so it's a problem in that you can't have two you can't have proper competition on a on a railway line can you you can't have two trains running at the same time one offering a better service than the other and people having a choice like if you need to get the 815 to the people's republic of somerset then it's only gonna, you know, and that's what you have to get. Then it doesn't matter how rubbish that service is; you have to get it. But according yeah. to this guy, the very fact that you're getting on that train suggests you really like that service. Yeah, and that's you're the choosing problem, it? to do it. So I guess in that sense, there's no, there's very little incentive for private companies to offer a service which is genuinely in the public interest. Um, but I am, uh, I am slightly nervous about the idea that just making it how it was in the '80s. Before Thatcher privatized it, is going to make it better. And you know, although I was very small in the 80s, people tell me the trains are pretty smelly and scary and and not very on timey back then. So I'm not convinced that just being owned by the by the public sector would uh, would make them better.
1: No, and I think you've hit on something really interesting there, which is basically so. Where YouGov did this poll, opinion pollsters. YouGov asked loads of people whether a whole range of public services hospitals, schools, railways, whatever, and non-public services like banks, whether they should be publicly run, privately run, or one option was, I don't care as long as it works, right? Um, And what's interesting is that people are far more likely to have an ideological response, far more likely to have a gut reaction to whether or not hospitals and schools and trains should be public or private, than to choose the option that says, I don't really care as long as it works. And that's a bit weird, isn't Mm, it, really? And I think that's because people have a... um, where they don't feel like they're getting a fair deal or where they don't feel like they're in control or when they're for example on a stinky train that's late and they have to get it and they know that a company is making big fat profit out of it that's when they get most upset right see also energy companies where like you basically get a choice between a whole bunch of energy companies that all put their prices up all at the same time and all kind of behave similarly and you you just people just get upset about that right and I think it you know I think the people therefore assume that if you nationalise these things all of the stuff that currently annoys you about the fact that the trains are really expensive or the toilets don't flush um, or they're painted in Duplo colours or they've wired up the air conditioning so the toilet smell get punched around all the carriage like on them ones that go north. right? <laughs> or Wi-Fi costs £10. Or Wi-Fi costs £10. People assume <laughs> that if you bung it into the public sector it would be better and it doesn't necessarily have to be like that, right? Just to take one example. So the trains are really expensive.
0: And yeah, so at this point Dave just went into a sort of railway rant. It wasn't even a rant, it was just a borathon. And he he really likes the railways and he and he talk, and talking about the railways and he banged on about that for a while. And um yeah look I'm sorry, it's just not interesting. And I will put up the long version on the website if, if you really want to hear about it. Um but I just thought it might be nice to listen to some music some so um here's a bit of light entertainment. <laughs> to be cheerful so in a change to our published schedule we are doing reasons to be cheerful now because it is a really really big reason to be really quite cheerful um, you know how last week we uh, we banged on about the old popster meister popey woy yep. dope <laughs> uh, well not to be outdone uh, the uh, the 1.6 billion uh, Muslims in the world have been spoken to by the International Islamic Climate Change Symposium who have issued an Islamic Declaration on Global Climate Change. And it is, well, it is uh, just as good, if not better and stronger and more compelling um, than the Pope Meisters' call to arms on, on climate change. And, well, should we hear a little bit of what they, what they said, Dave? You've got some choice quotes there, I think.
1: Yeah, it is pretty good, and it's better than what the Pope said because it's a lot shorter, and I could read it in about five minutes, which I liked, right? <laughs> and basically, what it says is this it says, um, God created the earth, and it's good, and God is good, and we're nausing it up, and it's probably a good idea if we don't nause it up anymore. And we're nosing it up by. Uh, befouling, I love that word, befouling the atmosphere, eroding the soil, deforestation, desertification, and our economies are horrible, and our priorities are all out of whack, and God ain't going to be happy about that. That's basically what it says, which is in substance what your man, your pope, said, although, you know, longer. Um, And what they say is that at the end of this year in Paris, where your big climate talks are going on, all of the rich countries, in particular, and the ones that have all the oil, you know, a lot of which are obviously Islamic countries, should uh, provide financial support to the poor countries, reduce their consumption, leave the oil in the ground, stop making money out of fouling up the planet, and invest in renewables, right? Which is pretty blinking good. That all countries, they say, should go 100% renewable energy as soon as they can, stop chasing economic growth on a finite planet, um, and make your economies work looking at well-being and not just making big fat piles of cash that's good too and that businesses and finance and corporations um should stop being dicks I think <laughs> that's what they say
0: yeah just just checking i was still listening there you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, um, and i think it's it, i think it's cracking you think it it's is cracking. Cra- it, it is, cracking. is cracking well i mean to be honest listening to you talk there that's that's a sort of sort of manifesto for the world that you or I could have written, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's saying all the same things that, that environmental campaigners want to hear. And for that reason, it is a genuine reason to, to be cheerful, as was Popster's efforts last week, or at least last month, but we talked about it last week. Um, it's it's phenomenal. You know, these, these people, whereas we were talking about this earlier, whereas the Pope is the head of the Catholic Church and was saying in my role as big boss pope man i'm saying this is what we think now this is slightly different isn't it this is this is a group of um exceptionally eminent people from the islamic community talking um to fellow muslims and and saying this is what um we should be doing as a community and imploring the muslim Muslim world to to do this it's not a kind of an edict or anything um but it's, it's 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 phenomenal and uh, and it's it's also very human, you know. It talks. What I like about this one is that it does. It talks about forests being ripped up. It talks about soils being degraded. It talks about deserts encroaching on fertile land. It's, you know, it is. It's very real. It's very focused in what matters to a lot of people's ordinary lives. Um, and it is also a bit like the Pope. It's not calling its punches. It's saying who the bad guys are. It's saying fossil fuel companies are the problem. It's saying burning fossil fuels is something we have to stop doing and it's saying renewable energy in terms of um, in terms of energy production is is where we've got to go so yeah it's great it's good well done then
1: so all of this got me thinking about god right god in all his various forms as worshipped by all these different religions and about religion and thinking about whether or not i think religion is in general a good thing for the planet or not right um, and you would hope, so I, I thought a few things about this, I wanted to know what you think. The first thing I thought was, you would hope, would you not, if you just sat down and looked about it, if you designed a religion from scratch, if you decided to make up your own book and get people to follow it, um, for a start, you'd write a little floppy book, you wouldn't write a great big fat book, would you? You'd just say, basically, don't be a dick, um, and and I would hope that pretty much any religion worth its salt would say, don't mess up the only planet that you've got to live on, particularly if that religion was also saying, God created this planet for you to live on. You would kind of hope that any religion worth its salt would say, don't mess it up, right? So it's a bit of a surprise to me, I suppose, thinking about it, that your Muslims and your Catholics kind of need telling that they shouldn't mess up the earth. Um, That's a bit
0: weird, isn't it? I guess, it, yeah, but it's it's about priorities, isn't it? If you don't talk about these big issues from on high, it can fall down people's lists of, well, their to-do lists, can't it? Whereas if you sort of, this is this is reinforcing that it is the most important thing to do, or at least, you know, up in the top three. Um, and I think lots of people of, of all faiths and none would agree that these are big problems and we need to solve them. But what this provides is a kind of focal point and a reminder that this is a, Really, really serious problem, and and it needs all of our attention and, and our effort and our collaboration. And I think that's why it's it is it is useful and 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 timely.
1: Because I'm not a religious person, as you know, I don't really apologise for that. But I'm all up for people apart believing in what Brentford. they want, apart from Brentford Football Club, yes, which believe me has required some serious leaps of faith over the last <laughs> over the last thirty odd years of my life, right? But I'm not particularly religious, but I I, I think that basically where religion is a force for good is where it is like about morals and values and how you should kind of live your life right and i think a lot of people take immense guidance and comfort from the values that they're given by whoever it is and whatever it is they believe in right and so it is helpful for the leaders or the the esteemed people in those faiths to come out and say the values that we already hold tell us that we shouldn't gnaws up the planet. And I kind of thought it would be kind of nice if non-religious people did that a bit more often as well. Mm, like, mm. um, you know, who have, who have non-religious people got to come out and say, you know, actually, you already think you shouldn't mess up the planet. Here's here's why. You know, sometimes nobody thinks... Quakers, I suppose. Bakers, yes, indeed. Well, poor no, Hollywood no. and Mary Berry <laughs> no, should come out.
0: No, the Quakers. Oh,
1: Quakers. Quakers. <laughs> oh, the Great British Quake Off is something <laughs> that's sort interesting, of isn't it? <laughs>
0: But there is a flip side to all this, isn't there all? Oh, there always is. There (laughs) always is. (laughs) There
1: always is. And if I think of who are the people in the world, who have we named... A section of our podcast after because he's such a a tinker and that's your man, uh, Senator Inhofe who is not only the kind of numbnut who thinks that because there is still snow, uh, climate change isn't happening, but the reason for that is because he thinks it is impossible to go against God's creation right, so he says that God created the earth um, and God gave us all free will and two things flow from that, firstly that I should be able to do what I want and secondly that it is impossible that me doing what I want Will gnaw up God's creation. It is not possible, he says, for humans to destroy God's creation. That's why he thinks climate change doesn't happen. Twenty-eight percent, more than a quarter of Americans, agree with him. Right, twenty-eight percent of Americans think that the Bible is a literal book that says exactly and precisely. Well, it, is li- it is a
0: literal book. <sighs>
1: Look, twenty eight percent twenty eight percent of Americans think the Bible should be taken literally, right? So the earth was created in six days and how many
0: days was the earth created in? Anyway, I think, I think it was face. six and he had a rest on Sunday. He watched you Netflix on God. Sunday, didn't he?
1: That's right, yeah, that's before um before the football was on. So Yeah. Yeah, probably had to, didn't they? Um, and half of Americans disbelieve evolution. If you go right back to episode three of *Sustainable Babel*, we talked about this about facts versus fiction and believing what you want. And uh, a lot of people will say that the reason why they don't believe climate change is happening and they don't believe in evolution is because they don't because the the Bible says that it isn't possible, or the Bible says that you know it contradicts that that view and a lot of the reason that the entire world is not doing enough on climate change comes down to the power of that religious right in America aligned with a really scary kind of libertarianism that says sod you I can do what I want um, and if I want to burn coal and kick kittens in the face and destroy the ugly fish then that is what I want to do um, and so it's not like you know, it's not a benign force for good all of this god stuff is it?
0: Well, I know, and I think it can be used, it, it can all too easily be hijacked, can't it, to be used for whatever your, um, your particular bent is, um, particularly making the most of, of that, what you just said, of the fact that a lot of people um, do believe in its literal interpretation. And we've got a really good example of this, oh, which, yes. um, which is um, an open letter to Pope Francis from a group called the Cornwall Alliance, Who say they are for the stewardship of creation? Now they're not. They're not from Cornwall, as far at least not the Cornwall that I know. Um, They are an American group, and they have written a long letter, um, April this year, an open letter to Pope Francis on climate change. And in it, they start off kind of talking about what looks like it could be quite an interesting discussion about. Um, the interpretation of God's word with relation to the planet and what kind of truth and evidence means and how, you know, science is something which is not fixed, which I agree with, and, you know, it's stuff that needs to be tested and and the data is the most important thing. Yada, yada, yada. And so this is quite interesting. And then suddenly it just becomes an ExxonMobil press release saying you've got to burn more fossil fuels because God says, and so, pretty much what, yeah. what? Yeah, pretty much. And it's just it just yeah. suddenly starts it it's extraordinary it has yeah. a massive pop at like ipcc that's the international panel on climate change you are the the sort of world authority on on climate change and the map massive pop at them saying their models don't make sense um but doesn't give any evidence to back that up uh, and then just says uh, there's been no warming for 16 to 26 years that that's just truth Um, Don't back that up. And therefore, we shouldn't be doing anything to reduce emissions because it knackers the poor. Uh, So more fossil fuels. Got to burn more fossil fuels.
1: Yeah, so this letter from the Cornwall Alliance is a really good thing to look at if you fancy a quick run-through in well-written, albeit batshit mental language about why it is that people on the religious right think climate change is made up, right? Your basic line of argument goes, God made man, man looks like God, man is special, (laughs) Man is exceptional, right? And that God gave man dominion to do what he wants with the natural world, right? Basic line of argument, and that uh, it is impossible for man to mess up God's creation because God is God and He knows what He's doing. So that's your basic line of argument. That's what your Inhofe would think, right? And I had a thought in the middle of that, which is just how crazy it is if you think about it to take. And I don't want to get in any trouble or offend anyone. This is just what I think, right? But. That, to, to to look at a book written in Aramaic several thousand years ago, uh, translate it into English, and take the translation as saying man has dominion over the earth, and to take that firstly literally, but to take that to mean therefore we can do what we want based on one translation of a very old book, even if you think that book is is you know a guiding precept for what you think. It's it's quite strange to me. I, I talked to uh, someone who knows about this, who said, "Yeah, but actually, that even that translation is contested. That uh, you can interpret it apparently as meaning have stewardship over the earth, which of course gives you very different implications for what you for what you do about it." Yeah, um,
0: yeah, yeah. It's massively loaded, isn't it? I mean, interpretation. Uh, well, translation is is entirely open to the interpretation of the person who's doing the translating. okay, great, Your Pope has come out and he's said,
1: right, everyone, shut up and listen, bastards, this is how it's going to be. And all these <laughs> uh, Islamic folk have come out and they've said, yeah, Pope was right, check this out, we agree, right? Um, so what, right? Because all of these people who are good Catholics or good Muslims or whatever, they still drive to the shops to buy crap they don't need wrapped up in plastic that goes and burns in a hole in the ground and they still listen to the X Factor and they still buy Taylor Swift albums and they still kick kittens (laughs) in the face for no reason, right? Because it's all very well (laughs) saying that we shouldn't run our planet like that, but we still do run our planet like that because the entire way the economy works is running our planet like that and it's all very well, Ollie, but I just don't know if it's going to make the blindest bit of difference, whether like the Pope or or some Muslims, or you and I say it, or Arabella says it, or whatever.
0: Well, I think Arabella's got a lot more clout than we do, but um, I, I, I know where you're coming from. I'm not quite as pessimistic as you, um, and I would also <laughs> I think that people get in their cars to go and buy stuff that they do need, as well as stuff that they don't need. But you know, I take your point. Um, no, I, 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 I've slowly come round to the idea that ultimately big important people saying big important things isn't really the sustainable way to change things i think it does have to start at the bottom um it does have to start in in people's small actions and and people have to feel like they've got a stake in what they're doing they've got that they're empowered to to do things differently um and that's why i'm really excited by things like what what our lovely friend alice was talking about last week you know people clubbing together to to put little bits of solar on their town halls and stuff. Um that's just one example, but but doing stuff on a small level on a meaningful local level I think is is the only way out of all of this stuff um ultimately uh in terms of sort of massive behavior change and being told by someone important. I mean how many times were you told by some by your like teacher or your head teacher to do something and you recognized that they were big and important but you didn't really feel it? You know, it's like when I'm told by my boss to do something, I recognise that I should do it, but then, you know, Twitter. Doesn't your boss listen to this? <laughs>
1: I suppose another way of looking at it is something like three and a half billion people in the world have over the last three months been told that the planet is important and they should not be dicks about it. And it's kind of hard to see that as anything other than a
0: good thing, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think it is. It is brilliant. And imagine if they'd said the opposite. Imagine if those people had come out and said, "Uh, do you know what, climate change isn't a problem. Whatever you do in your lives, it's ungodly to reduce emissions. Um, or equivalent you know we would we would be up on arms about it because that matters so we should be we should be pleased about the fact that they have done a good thing and and um and being proactive and you know fingers crossed it'll it'll make a difference eh half of the week Enough time! Yeah, we've already mentioned him a few times this week, but he is the name of our final section where we have a look at the rotters in the world, the people who have naffed things up. Um, and this week, uh, well, Prime Minister. Prime Minister Cameron, DC, Husky Dave.
1: Yeah, so what's happened? What's this all about? You've got yourself... I can see from here you've gone a funny colour and I think yeah. that means there's one of your rants coming up.
0: Oh, um, I don't like it. I don't like it. Okay, doctor what's happened? I don't okay. it's not good. Right, okay. so fracking, right? You'll remember episode two. I think I've got that right. Have I got that right? Yes. Yeah. Episode two. <laughs> yeah. Frack, frack, frack. Uh, we talked about fracking. It's never really gone away in the time that we've been doing this podcast um, but there's been other interesting things to talk about but... Uh, right now, there is a very, very concerted effort to get fracking going in the UK. And rather brilliantly, it's sort of not been going because, you know, people don't want to be fracked. And the communities in in Balcombe and in Lancashire have said, actually, no, go away. And successfully um, got their local councils to reject fracking. And that is the nub of what's gone on here. Because in June... Lancashire County Council, after a very torturous process, said, no, Quadrilla, you can't come and frack here. And that was amazing. And a lot of MPs in the area had been saying in a run-up, you know, whatever the decision, it's a locally taken decision, you've got to respect that. And then even a couple of days later, the Prime Minister, in Prime Minister's questions, when he was asked about it, said these words. Those decisions must be made by local authorities in the proper way under the planning regime we have. So, let me get this clear just for me. You know a
1: lot more about fracking than I did. So, fracking is shale gas. Uh, Fracking requires people to drill under your house and get it out. And that is a decision that local authorities, basically your local areas, get a say on. And in June, David Cameron said, that's right. Yes? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. However he's decided that what he really means is that local democracy is fine as long as it agrees with what he thinks. And so they've just done a raft of changes to undermine local planning decisions, basically saying, if you are not as if as a local council, you are not getting on with fracking, then we're just going to take that decision away from you we'd literally go there's a process called calling in planning decisions and he's got his mate well i don't know if they're mates but his minister greg clark to say if you don't accept this stuff um i've got the power to call it in and make the decision myself um and i've also got the power to uh call in any appeals to these decisions so if quadrilla come in and say uh, we're repealing this decision um, and the council then have to kind of spend ages going, well, no, I think we did everything fine. Uh, Greg Clark and then the government can just go, no, we'll we'll make that decision. Thanks. So it's just the long and short of it is it is a total undermining of local democracy, quite apart from all of the awful other stuff that's going on with fracking like In January, the minister at the time said, we will absolutely protect national parks, areas of special scientific interest and and drinking water, and then didn't. And now you can drill, you can actually do this, Dave. If you want to, you can drill through a drinking water aquifer, right? Drill through it Mm -hmm. in order to get to shale rock. A uh, thousand meters or 1200 meters for you can, can. can, and then do can your I? bloody controlled explosions underneath it, bring it back up through that well, which you hope isn't going to fail. But as has been shown in America, somewhere between five and nine percent of those wells do fail, and then take it off at the surface. And It's, it's, it's just terrifying, it's ridiculous.
1: So, uh, what's going on there? Why does David Cameron, in half of the week, complete an utter nasty tow-rag and all-round husky murderer? Why does he <laughs> think that fracking, get, uh, drilling for shale gas, is such a good idea? Go on, what's the play devil's advocate for a sec.
0: Alright, okay, so um, fracking good. Why is fracking good? Well, David Cameron tells us that it's better than coal, that burning gas is better for the environment than coal, which is sort of true if you had a straight choice between the two. Um, But the problem is it's going to be years and years and years until we have the sort of scale of fracking in this country that means um, it could make a meaningful contribution to our electricity supply, by which time we don't need to be replacing coal because we should have got rid of it. And instead, it would be replacing renewables, which is bad. Right. So I don't really buy that. The other thing he says is energy security, which is the notion that you can take control over where you're getting your energy and you don't have to rely on nasty foreigners giving you the energy or or charging you loads of money for it or turning the taps off. But again, I'm not really sure I buy that because we don't get any gas from Mr Putin, even though they always say that we do. We get it from Qatar and from Norway and from other places. But also... If you really want to talk about energy security, what about all of the amazing resources we have in the UK that are renewable? I.e. loads and loads of wind all over the place and out to sea in our in the seas that we uh we, we own and all of the coastline in general, like you know, the wind the uh the wave power and the tidal power, um let alone lots of solar. So it's choices, isn't it? It's it's it comes down to political choices, and for some reason that I wouldn't like to speculate on, Mr. Cameron prefers fossil fuels and prefers big centralised energy and the, and you know the stuff that he knows and and run by people that he probably personally knows. He prefers that to this kind of new exciting decentralised renewable future that we all want, don't we, Dave? Yes. Time. So, prediction time. Every week we wrap our crystal balls on the table and try to work out what's going to happen next. Uh, but we also have a little look at what we said last week and whether it came true. Dave, you predicted something, didn't you?
1: Yes, I did. Shall we have a little listen? Sustainable Babel, and I reckon that by the next episode of Sustainable Babel, episode twenty, episode fans, everyone is going to have got exceptionally pissed off about feeding tariffs. Yeah. Um. So that didn't happen. People didn't get all in a tizzy about feeding tariffs, did they? No. Not this week.
0: No, not so that you'd notice. No. Uh, so all of all of the horrible things the government have done, they haven't yet done that. Um. So I suppose we should be grateful in a way.
1: Yeah, OK. Um, so, all right. What's your prediction then?
0: Well, uh, and I think you're going to like this. Um, my prediction is that people are going to get all in it is about feeding tariffs this week. No, you...
1: Yeah, uh-huh. all right. Haha. What's your prediction? You can't have my prediction. That was my prediction. You can't have that prediction. No,
0: your prediction was that it would happen last week. I'm predicting yeah, but, it will happen I, this
1: week. No, but you can't do that. It's yeah, cheating. you can. I just did it. No, you can't.
0: Okay. Okay. Show me the rule that says I can't do it.
1: Well, I will. I'll go and get.
0: <laughs> Hang on. I'm getting the Babble
1: rules. The Babble rules. Hang on. Wait a minute. I'm looking. I'm looking. <laughs> you can't do it anyway. I can't see the actual rules um, written down, but I don't think it's cricket.
0: Well, no, it isn't cricket. It isn't cricket. It's not cricket its hard uh predictioning. And, and, I, and I'm determined to get another one right uh, and extend oh. my lead. So, yeah, deal with it. Lump it. Suck oh. it and see. But it's completely f- OK, so that is just about it for Sustainable 20. Blimey, two score. Who would have Heavens. thought? Heavens above. Heavens I to have thought- Betsy. Who's Betsy? Uh, Anyway, yes, we are are done. Thank you very much to Dickie Moore for all of his wonderful music that plays us in and plays us out and does all the the twiddly bits in between.
1: You can tell us what you think of the show in all the usual ways. You can go to Twitter, at The Babble Wagon. You can find us on Facebook, look for Sustainer or drop us an email Hello at sustainable.fish or accost us in the street and buy us a beer and tell us how much you think we've got everything wrong. If you are from a religious order and we are now going to hell um, could you let us know in a kind of gentle way and maybe give us an idea if we're completely permanently down to hell or if there's anything we can
0: do about it? <laughs> that would be, that'd be really, really helpful. Um, very, very nice. Answers on a postcard. Okay, well, we will see you next week. Have a lovely little time, won't you, Dave? And you,
1: Ollie. Bye. Bye.